there? Yeah, I'm here. Yes. Hooray. Hooray, hooray. Hello again for the second time today. This is going to be interesting. Is that right? <laughs> well, just, <laughs> well, well, it's just like, without us even needing to say anything, this is a very special double feature we've got here because there's actually more than a couple things connecting them together. Yes, actually, you're right. And um, having, uh, I'm just going to say from the outset, I'm, I don't know much about Virginia Woolf. I've, I'm a big reader. I read a lot, um, but I've never read any of her books. And I was talking to my sister and I was like, have you watched The Hours? And she was like, yeah, we had to do it for high school. And they like watched it at school. Did you? Um, the closest I've ever gotten to Virginia Woolf until really recently is reading Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf in high yeah. school, which, yeah, yeah, is right. not e which is even further apart. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, this was really virginal for me in a lot of ways. Um, and I'm super, super grateful that you suggested the hours. Um, and now I guess I just need to ask you, what do you who, which one do you want to start with? Uh, let's go chronologically this time. We'll start with Orlando and then we'll ease into the hours. Okay, cool, cool. Um, so had you ever, had you ever seen this before? Um, no, I hadn't, but on a certain level, I fairly recently have gotten um, a bit familiar with Orlando or more accurately, the story of, of the writing of it, because um, fairly recently, like right around the time I suggested we watch The Hours, yeah. I saw a, a movie called um, Vita and Virginia, which is a biopic about the relationship of um, Virginia Woolf and Vita Sackville-West, I think her name is, okay. um, the, uh, which inspired the, um, the creation of Orlando, a biography. Beyond that, and like an understanding that Orlando is like one of the great works in the literary queer canon mm. because of the themes it gets into. I didn't really know that much about it going in. No, I mean... But, but I didn't even need to know that much going into it to know that right off the bat, holy hell, Tilda Swint Swinton was the best pick Definitely. for this. Definitely. This was this was casting at its, at its very, very... <laughs> Best. Um, just, and, 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 not, and not just like the fact that Tilda Swinton, God's gift to androgyny, is playing Orlando here. There's also the amazing pick where they got legendary queen Quentin Crisp to play Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. Like that was an amazing turn and just like, yeah, just kind of goosebumps, honestly, from just from watching the two of them on screen together. Yeah, look, it was... um. I, as I said, like, I don't, I didn't know anything about the book um, and, and Virginia Woolf, the author of the original book. Um, I didn't know much about the film itself. I did remember it um, coming out. I remembered the, when I, when I Googled it to find something to go along with the hours, I remembered the, um, the um, poster, the film poster. Um, but I hadn't, I hadn't seen it myself and uh, I sat down to watch it and I was like, 
what is what is this what is going on here we've we've got like we're gender bending we're time bending we're like we're in like a whole realm of just like beautiful I don't know like it was so and and normally normally I don't go in for um you wouldn't really call it time travel this film but I don't normally go in for that kind of um, sometimes that can be a bit science fiction-y, but this was, this was just like, I, I, I don't, I don't know how else to explain it except that it was beautiful and, um, and engaging. So, so engaging the way that she every now and then switched to the camera and spoke to you. I love that. Uh, not every actor is able to pull off turning to the camera. I mean, no. I, I mean, most people who have seen any episode of Saved by the Bell knows what the wrong <laughs> side of that looks like. <laughs> That's true. That's a bad show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. She. She. Um, Something, something just went right here. Like, um, so what's her name? The director, um, um, Sally Potter, who Sally also, Potter. A, um, a few years ago also did a movie called The Party, which might be one of the best social satires of the last decade. Yeah, right. So she's yeah. still this good today. Okay. So she, her, some, somewhere between, somewhere between Virginia Woolf, Tilda Swinton, and Sally Potter this trilogy of amazing women um, have pulled together a, a, an incredible, incredible film. Uh, I, it's difficult to explain. Like I'm struggling <laughs> to explain I, I, it. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm having a bit of difficulty explaining it, but I, that hasn't stopped me before. So I'll at least <laughs> try and purse it out. Like as far as like these sorts of, you know, period costume dramas, mm -hmm. Like it looks and sounds amazing. Yeah. Like, like um, Sally Potter not only had a hand in the writing, but also um, co-wrote the music for this, and it's oh. just so regal and beautiful, and the way it shifts, um, oh. you know, over the centuries of um, Orlando's life just work really well. Like the fact that it turned like almost techno right at the end was like, yeah. yes, perfect. Yeah. yeah. How was this song? Um, Eliza in the boat. Remember when she first, the queen first came to um, Orlando as a young person when his parents, her, his, her parents were still alive and, and that they were singing on the boat, Eliza to the, to her, she came in. That, that was hauntingly beautiful piece of music. I was really like, I, I, I love music and I'm a musician and stuff, but usually if, the sound, the soundtrack songs are quite secondary for me when I'm watching a movie. I don't pay that much attention unless it's really, really good and really, really adding something to it. And I felt the same. Like I really felt there was a an amazing um, dynamic there added with 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 the music. I didn't I didn't actually know that she was um, involved with that. That's pretty pretty cool. Um, yeah, and. Admittedly, like it looks great, it sounds great, it's got some of the best casting I think I've ever seen in a movie. Mm. 
but I do have some reservations. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> I, um, You're allowed to. All right. First off, Billy Zane. Oh yeah, that was that was. I I I don't often Google the film beforehand, but I did because I was looking for a movie to go with the hours. So I was looking for other films, I guess, that had been based on Virginia Woolf novels, and I I looked into that, and then I was like, Billy Zane. <laughs> Yeah, it was just, the thing is that it's not just that Billy Zane is in it, although admittedly between this and Titanic, period romance really isn't his thing. <laughs> um, but it's that, like, he's, like, so blatantly stun-casted because he's, like, you know, in the credits, right there, right after Tilda yeah. Swinton, and yet yeah. it's only yeah. in, like, the last third that we go anywhere near him. Exactly! It's, that's just, and, I think that's just a bullshit Hollywood thing that they... Yeah, and speaking of things that we don't really get into until the last leg of the movie, there's also Orlando's transitioning, as it were. Yeah. Now, like, now on its own, this, like, especially considering this is based on like a late 20s novel yeah. late 1920s novel like I, I i'm totally fine with like it being you know quite vague in how it's presented the first shot of her naked in the mirror and just being like same person just different sex which is fucking hell that is one of the most progressive things i've ever heard come out of a 90s movie based on a 20s book yeah. Like, that is insane. Yeah. And, I, and I really do like that it contrasts, like, the statements that Orlando was making towards women with the comments made towards her as a woman yes. later on. Yeah. But something yeah. about the pacing feels a bit off, though. It feels like we spent a little too much time with male Orlando and not as much time with female Orlando. It just felt a little lopsided. Look, I think there's a couple of things probably going on there. Um, one, I would say that it's potentially um, a later on edit producer thing. Um, you know, we don't like <laughs> historically, you know, women women in film is, is not as interesting as men in film. Um, and also that I find often whenever you're trying to translate a book into a film, it's just impossible to fit everything that the author was trying to get across um, in. And unfortunately, it just gets lost. And having not read the book myself, I'm just guessing, um, and that's, that's from my experience basically of, of having read books that have been made into films before um, uh, um well from from my understanding orlando a biography is basically meant to be like half you know a semi-fantastical biopic half history yeah. of of western art pretty much because there's this whole thing of like um orlando keeps meeting all these really famous um artists of multiple disciplines and i get the feeling that like bringing all of that to the screen would not only be impossible, but kind of foolish because yeah. the only thing that can kill a biopic quicker than bad casting, it's trying to squeeze everything into a single movie. Life. Yeah, totally. Exactly. And so I think this, this film probably suffered from a little bit of both of those competing kind of um, aspects. So trying not to overstretch on, on and, and sticking to one kind of, part i guess um of, of and, 
And admittedly, like, even with all the stuff it would have to, you know, bring together into a single film, which <laughs> is barely an hour and a half, like, that's kind of yeah, miraculous that's, in and of itself, but yeah. it also, like, there is quite a bit being pushed into it, like, yeah. a lot of, honestly, I like to describe the, the, the kind of writing in here as writer's porn, like, the kind, of, the kind of stuff that writers, like myself, admittedly, indulge in the same way normal people indulge in pornography, like stuff where it's all this, you know, philosophizing and romanticizing of the art of creating. Yeah. Although, admittedly here, that's more translated into just like, you know, the, the recitations of poetry, which incidentally, I think um, a passage from the Quran was also recited as well. Right. Um, and it it's less about like you know the genius of the people writing it and more about the actual effects that all of that poetry can have on the human spirit which as should probably be clear right now i'm all kinds of in support of exactly so. <laughs> exactly and it's it's just um i'm i'm grateful that filmmakers have been taking books and even biographies um, of people's lives and putting them into film because I think it's a really accessible format for people um, but it, it is it is restricted you know and I think I feel like there was a period there where um, I don't know the producers or whatever were kind of limiting um filmmakers to an hour and a half like i feel like there was this push to kind of fit everything into this kind of hour and a half format and we see recently that 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 that's changing you know you can make a three-hour fucking movie for netflix and that's fine these days but i do think that this is just i'm i'm just um pulling this out of my ass but I feel like them that potentially there was a, a a period there where they were like no nah, if it goes over an hour and a half people aren't going to go to the cinema and watch it and we have to remember that this was back in the time when very much people went to the cinema you know a lot a lot more than we do now and that that it's like the radio edit of a song it was like if it goes over three minutes we're not playing it on the radio you know, two and a half to three minutes was that sweet spot. So I feel like maybe films in that time, she made, she might've made a two hour film and the producers came back and said, you need to squeeze this into an hour and a half. And they had to kind of cut, you know, probably parts of, of the movie. And, and, and I do totally get that, but I think like from my perspective, without having read up on the production or anything, yeah. I'd argue it's less a problem with like the runtime on its own and more to do with how, well, this is kind of a risky thing to take on in the first place. Like yeah. uh, apparently yeah. um, Sally Potter kept being told that this, you know, adapting the story would be impossible and, for right. some reason, not interesting enough. Oh, right. Not sure where you go, not sure where you go for that. And so she basically, <laughs> like, you know, she, she'd been raising money for it for a good, like, what, four years yeah. before the thing actually came out, which, you know, credit to her, it's a passion project. But <laughs> I get the feeling that if this was, like, a lot more, like, underground, I guess. Like, if someone like um, Derek Jarman 
made it, who might be one of the gayest um, independent <laughs> filmmakers of all time, who incidentally has collaborated with Tilda Swinton quite a few times. Right, yeah. I get, the, I get the feeling that he would be like a lot more outlandish, I guess. He put the fabulous <laughs> kind of touch in. That's, that's touch what I'm onto. saying. Do you think she was trying to play it safe to please her investors or like, you know, there was a... Um, I... I, I, I Given, like, the other movie that I've seen Sally Potter do, which is The Party, which, bloody hell, leaves no, like, leaves no sacred goats unslaughtered when it comes to, like, modern politics. It's amazingly um, cutting. Okay. I, don't I, I don't think this is necessarily a part of, um, well... But, but this would have been her, like... You know, you, you, you the first or second time you do something, do you know what I mean? Like you're still yeah. a bit tentative and you're still listening to people. And by the time she got to the party, it's possible she was like, fuck this, I know what I'm doing now. I'm just going to fucking do it. Fair enough. And, and uh, uh, of course, there's probably all kinds of limitations to do with like how much of the actual like sexual and trans, you know, transgender politics she was really allowed to show because... Yeah. Yeah. No, the 90s were like better than the 20s. Sure. But, you know, no. Exactly. By, um yeah. And, and and honestly, like all the, you know, potential limitations that have been put on the scene considering the length of the source material, the relatively yeah. short length of the of this film and everything else floating around it. It's uh, how to put it. This is the kind of film where I'm not, like, I do like it, but I respect it a lot more because yeah. it is, like, such a vital thing, especially as part of, as part of the queer community. Something like this is just, like, lightning in a bottle. Like, a director who knew, who had a, more than enough of a good idea of what they were doing cast one of the best actors ever. Like, if this was made today... I'm willing to bet that she could still be cast in it. Definitely. <laughs> because, well, the secret to her androgyny is the fact that I don't think she ages at all. <laughs> no, seriously. She's amazing. She's beautiful. I love her. And, 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 I, and, yeah, I, I, I really I, loved it. I really loved it. I really enjoyed watching it. I, it was, I felt, re felt like it was really refreshing after, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just really liked it. I found it. Um, maybe it was the lack of fetus dumplings. Could possibly. Could have been. Could have been yeah. <laughs> maybe it was that. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> um, all right. Well, so what about the hours then? Okay. Now it's my turn to just go, oh my god, because um, much like with um, Virginia Woolf as a whole, my only real connection to The Hours up until watching it for the first time was, remember that Kath and Kim episode where they did The Hours musical? No. <laughs> I don't. Really? Yeah. This is, okay, I'm gonna have to uh, Yeah. Yeah. There was a whole episode so devoted to that. The odd joke about Nicole Kidman's nose and the thing, uh, pretty much all I knew about it going into it. But, oh God, really? That's uh, fucking hilarious. Okay. Uh, but but <laughs> he, and here's the thing, like, um, holy shit. It's just, I, I don't even think I can properly put into words just how much I fucking love this movie. Right, like, no matter what, 
let me ask you something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just fucking forgot what I was going to ask you. How is that even possible? Um, oh, my God. Why? Oh, that's right. You said to me, like last time we recorded, last episode, not just today, but recently, he said, I'm going to suggest something that I'm, I'm planning to watch anyway. Why? What was the catalyst for you deciding to um, watch this anyway? Well, again, it was because I just happened to catch Vida and Virginia and, well, right, that right, kind of right. got me thinking about, um, okay. uh, got me thinking about Virginia Woolf and this yeah. is kind of a classic movie and yeah. I am trying to open myself up to more of those and I'm like, sure. I probably was going to check this out anyway, so I figured why not, you know, have a chance to talk about it so I can sure, probably, sure, sure. It, yeah. Okay, that's interesting because I myself had not seen it either and upon watching it and finishing watching it I was kind of like shocked and appalled at myself for not having seen this earlier um I felt the same way <laughs> and you know what I'm just gonna very quickly because I feel like you've got a lot to say about this but I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna very quickly interject I loved it absolutely fucking loved it it's, it's made my top 10 movies of all time it's, it's it's extraordinary but what I loved most about it was that here we have this all-female-led cast, basically. Um, this really, really female-driven plot. And this argument that Hollywood keeps giving us that people don't like female-driven plots and they don't like female-driven films and that's why we don't make them. And when I finished watching the film, because I try not to look at the... Um, the reviews beforehand. I don't want to know what the general consensus of the movie is before I watch it. So I just watch it myself. But often afterwards, I will go and check the reviews. Um, but just from normal people, not from critics. And in the Google reviews, <laughs> sorry, <mate. laughs> critics are normal people. No, you're not. You're definitely not. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I'll I'll concede. <laughs> so. In the Google, just, you know, you know, if you just Google the movie, there'll be like Google reviews underneath it. And there was just this list of um, reviews underneath it. And interestingly, heaps of them. Oh, my. I'm sorry, my dog just came in and he's gone. <laughs> Brooke, help. Okay, he's gone. Oh, my God. Um. Interestingly, the majority of reviews of this film were from men and they were saying the things like, this is the kind of film that I can watch over and over and over and still get something out of it. And then there's all these like reviews of guys talking about how which parts of the movie really, really moved them and, and they found really interesting. And I found that really interesting that, 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 that there's this whole Hollywood, you know, thing about not, <laughs> not funding uh, female-driven plot lines and, and movies and casts and yet here were all these reviews from all these guys saying that this is one of their favorite movies of all time anyway i just thought that was really interesting uh yeah um uh, the 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 inner politics of the film critic scene is 
Well, basically something I hope to dismantle during my lifetime, but that's a whole other discussion. (laughs) And uh, although admittedly, I am totally on board with that because just, okay, where do I even start with this? Okay, let's um, Let's talk uh, about uh, that. Let's talk about the casting. Let's talk about the the, the uh, actors. Okay. All right. The casting. Now, uh, Meryl Streep, Julianne Moore, Nicole Kidman. Holy shit! That is a hell of a triple ha- triple act. Seriously, and Nicole I'm, Kidman. She was unrecognizable. I was like, I had to go back and be like, I thought Nicole Kidman was in this film. Who's she actually playing? Oh. oh. Yeah. <laughs> admittedly, because I was. Um, warned, I guess, about the nose beforehand. It was a little distracting at first. I'm like, that is, I, I can tell it's not moving. That's clearly not real. But that that's minor nitpick. But seriously, like minor the, nitpick. Seriously, it is. Yeah, and like all three of them are so not only they're perfectly cast for their characters, they're perfectly cast for their time periods as well. Because like Nicole Kidman being able to channel the pure angst of Virginia Woolf, yeah. perfect. Julianne Moore, like, especially nowadays, has a real thing for, like, nuclear family era nostalgia. Yeah. Like, like she basically played a 1950s, you know, psychotic cannibal in one of the Kingsman movies. And, like, that was all kinds of, like, retro 50s nostalgia all over the place. But also, but also, she's the, the, the kids are all right. Have you ever seen that? No, I haven't actually. Okay, so she's she they they play a gay couple, her and her partner, and they've got some kids. And Mark Ruffalo is the dad, the the sperm donor. Anyway, she's she. I I found it interesting because I watched that before, and then in this, she's playing a obviously a um <sighs> unable to requite her love for other women um, situation in this. I thought that was really interesting that she got to go on and, and, and do a film where um, they were in a, a two mum family relationship with, um, with two kids, which was, which is a beautiful movie. If you if you haven't seen it, anybody who um, has not seen that, it's a great fucking movie. Um, but I thought that was an interesting, um, seems like she's drawn to these, um, kind of, I don't want to say feminist. It's not like a feminist thing, but she's certainly drawn to these roles, as we saw even in in um, the Big Lebowski. Of these, <sighs> she it, it, it's just a good fit for her. Yeah, like she's 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 um. So it's not it's not a typecast thing, but I feel like she's seeking out these roles of, of women who, who certainly don't fit the mold of the that that we often see, particularly in Hollywood films, of, of the you know, the wife, the mother, that kind of thing. I mean, even though that she has played those particular roles that is not in the the kind of straightforward way that they're normally portrayed. <laughs> you know uh, what I'm supposed yeah. to say here? Uh, I do totally get it, if only because I know that Savage Grace exists, which features Julianne Moore in what might be one of the most messed up mother-son relationships, emphasis on relationships, <laughs> right. I think I've ever seen. Just, yeah, not not, not for the faint of heart of that one. But okay. yeah, she, um, Kidman totally fits, Julianne Moore totally fits, 
And considering Meryl Streep's um, role in Angels in America, which, oh, oh my God. fucking God, just oh like, God. again, perfect fit for that. And it's yeah. just, it, it is genuinely mesmerizing just how well the story weaves in and out of each of their storylines. Like the way that all of these things align and echo each other, like, you know, sacrificial um, figures not eating and just like, you know, characters kind of saying the same thing, but in different contexts. It's just yeah. like, uh, as someone who's a big fan of films like Cloud Atlas, which is basically like, mm. you know, um, cinema for the ADHD generation, where it's like, hey, I can watch six movies at once. <laughs> like, I have, a, I have a lot of respect for filmmakers or, or editors specifically who are able to put that together. And like, all the credit to Peter Boyle for being able to put that together as well as he did. Because yeah, so it's it's interesting. It's it wasn't difficult to follow. At first, I was like, "What the fuck is going on here?" And then it only took, you know, ten minutes or so, and I was like, "Oh, okay." And then I never felt lost. You know, it was yeah, uh, especially with the way that it toys around with Virginia Woolf's um, novel, Mrs. Dalloway, which admittedly <laughs> I haven't read, but this film is like that good at, you know, depicting it as, um, a th as thematic shorthand that you don't even need to, to get the idea that Kidman's writing it, Moore is reading it, and Streep is basically living it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Uh, like, I got that without having read the novel and without feeling like I was beaten over the head with it. And, uh, well, admittedly, um, that might be because there's far darker things that kind of overwhelm you as you're watching it, like the numerous um, instances of either suicide or suicidal ideation, which, as a survivor myself, were particularly difficult to watch, quite frankly. Like, as, as much as I totally get the film's angle in terms of, you know, you, know, you should be able to choose your life and your death, and one of the side effects, I guess, of being a depressive is knowing that life can feel like a worse sentence than death. Mm. It's, it, 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 it's, it's, it's one of those films, it, it's, it's honestly kind of a rare film that actually treats the notion of suicide in a way that actually makes you think about the actual circumstances behind it. Because as much as I will always mourn it being done in response to stuff like depression, I can't argue with the fact that there are some people for whom it might actually be a mercy. Mm. And for people, for someone like Virginia, it certainly was for, um, what's his name? Ad Harris's character. Now he was unrecognizable, oh, quite frankly, yeah. Like, yeah. like him being that emaciated was a bit of a shock, like yeah. his choice. And God, I'll put it this way, Julianne Moore's scene if it had K Sarah Sarah playing over it, I'd be stuck in a crying fit still. <laughs> like it, it was that just like oh. um Look, there was some really was, intense stuff. Yes, it was extremely intense and I cried a lot through it as well. Um it 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 certainly pulled on if you have any capability of empathy, it certainly pulled on every single string that you have. Um some of the conversations between the characters were so just overwhelmingly, like, breathtaking. Like, like Virginia Woolf at the train station? Yes. 
like that, that that was just like, like I had a, no a power over my own life and just imagine this woman in the 20s with her genius and not being able to and even though her her husband really was trying to do nothing by her it's so distressing and i i would honestly like argue against that because in its own way this ties into what we're talking about with orlando but the whole time he was like basically like screaming at virginia i'm doing this for your own good it really came across like he had no idea what would work for her until the very end where it was like Absolutely. You know what? You want, you have to take you want to go to London? Account. Let's go to London. Yes, of course. But you have to take into account that at the time, that's that's how things were. And I, I don't think he was a bad man. I think he, I think he genuinely loved her. And I, and I just don't think that we knew enough about mental illness in general um, in those days. In some areas, in some areas, we still don't. Exactly. And to be fair it could have been a lot worse if she'd had a less understanding husband. I mean, in those days you could incarcerate your wife if you just didn't like the way she, you know, looked at you. You could go and send her off to a mental institution. And I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that she was lucky to have a man who, <laughs> you know, but I think for the time he, he, in this film, he was portrayed as probably, um, as well-meaning as he could have really been under the circumstances, I guess. Um, For the era, it definitely, you know, felt like even though he wasn't going about it in the best way, he was at least trying. Yes. He didn't understand. It's difficult to understand. I mean, I think, think my husband still struggles to understand. You know, I have bipolar disorder. I think he still struggles to understand after 10 years. Um, Fortunately, we live in a time where he can't just send me off to the nut house. <laughs> he might have thought about it from time to time. <laughs> but it's, I, I, you know, I'm, well, I guess my point is I think it's almost impossible to understand somebody's um, mental place, you know? Like any, you can't, you can never really know any, this inside of anybody's mind, neurotypical, sane or not. Like it's just one of those things. And and if you compound it with uh, with the time, I mean, it was a hundred years ago, like literally a hundred years ago. Uh, it, you know, it's 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 even more compounded. But yeah, and and, and, and on that note. The way that, like, um, each era, like the 20s, the 50s, the, the noughties, each dealt with, like, you know, the, the key issues at hand, like with Julianne Moore's um, repressed, um, you know, sexuality, Mel Streep's uh, just heartbreaking inability to let Ed Harris go, mm -hmm. and, of course, Virginia Woolf's um, own demons, mm -hmm. which, um, uh, actually, funnily, funnily enough, I do want to bring up one thing. Her scenes, um, Kidman scenes with um, Miranda Richardson yes. as her quote-unquote sister yes. were kind of amazing to watch, if only because I mostly remember Miranda Richardson for playing the Queen of Hearts in one of the um, Alice in Wonderland <laughs> movies. Yeah, so right. it's like, 
like the British Queen of Shrill getting across all of this insane level of subtlety considering her and Virginia Woolf's relationship. I'm just like, holy hell, this isn't just good casting. This is like casting that only the best kind of casting director can see like, yes, you will work. It's going to take a bit of bringing out, but it'll work. It'll work. Yeah, 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 totally. Yep. I, um, there's so much more I could like, the whole mother thing, um, the mother, Julianne Moore and Meryl Streep's characters, um, the role there, different generations, different, whole different thing and the conversation between them um, after Ed Harris's character, what's his name? It's um, Richie, Richie. Richie dies. Um, and and you get Meryl, Meryl gets this kind of, you know, moment where she kind of gets it. And also you see Julianne Moore's character go, wow, you wanted a baby that badly. Like it was basically forced on me. Like I kind of had no choice. And yet you wanted one so badly that you, that you went and created the situation so that you could have one outside of having a relationship with a man. And it's, that juxtaposition of generations it, that was real a really powerful scene like seriously um amazing and and when she admits you know i should have felt guilty but i didn't after i left you know that was that was fucking hectic yeah that is incredibly raw and it's one of the reasons why like as much as a serious downer this movie is it all scans because all of it feels like not only just like authentic and empathetic but far from simple like you look at any you look at virginia wolf you look at julianne moore's character you look at um clarissa mel street's character you look at you look at each their circumstances and even though there are probably is something you know there are some things you could you know raise an eyebrow about you still have to take into account their position how they're dealing with things and just the other crap that's been happening to them it's i guess it's a it's not easy to pass out yeah i guess it's a, a another it's like a bit of a morality tale you've got the um um oh i just had thought yeah. Something else that connects this with Orlando. Now, this is going to be a bit out there, so bear with me. <laughs> okay. This film also deals with a certain kind of, not exactly time travel, but something to do with, yes. you know, traversing time. Because totally. th- th- um, th- 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 this is something that I keep noticing that pops up in fiction, particularly like movies to do with ghosts and stuff like that. The way that death just the existence of death seems to mess up time on its own. Like, like the idea of how like um, ghosts, like poltergeists haunt the exact same spot they've been, you mm-hmm. know, for over a century, but they themselves don't even realize it's been that long. Mm-hmm. And, and th- that, that kind of thing, especially with um, uh, like in this movie, Virginia Woolf almost has like visions of the other women's storylines. Mm. And, and, and and like that bit of like, you know, someone has to die yes, and yes. She, she decides um, Julianne Moore won't be that, which I thought was kind of a, um, a, a, I love metatextual stuff like that. Yes. And, yes. Uh, no, the whole thing is just, 
just brilliantly fucking done. It was just a brilliant fucking movie. I'm, I'm, I was blown away and I'd actually really like to go back and watch it again. And I don't often say that about a movie, but I really would if I have time, because I think there's even more to it on a second watching. I think there's a lot going on here. Yeah, and admittedly, like, as far as, like, the greater queer canon, this might have, like, some of my favourite ships, I guess. Like, you've got Nicole Kidman and Miranda Richardson. Mm. You've got Julianne Moore and Tony Collette. Mm. Perfect. You've got Meryl Streep and Alison Janney, which I never would have guessed on my own, but I'm like, you know what, that actually does work. <laughs> and, and, of course, you have Ed Harris and Jeff Daniels. Yeah, that like, was... Jeff Daniels, that was a shock. He walked in and I was like, um, okay. <laughs> he like, was amazing. <laughs> yeah. And again, him with his tongue stuck to a... <laughs> yes, <wall>. exactly. <laughs> oh, no, it was, uh, it, was, it was just... It was just beautiful. And they even, like... You know, the... The relationships like sh like she'd had with Richie that he'd had with Jeff Daniels. And so there was this like, you know, kind of whole not, not um honestly the relationship between um uh, Meryl Streep and Ed Harris is a deep cut. Reminds me a bit of this movie called um, Series 7, The Contenders. You ever heard of this? No. All right, well, basically, massive piss take of, like, reality shows, like, where okay. a bunch of contestants have to kill each other, and two of them are, like, this um, this pregnant woman and this um, uh, um, repressed gay man um, dying of cancer who were previously an item when they were teenagers. Like, right. that whole idea of just, like... I still love you. It's just different nowadays, kind of thing. Yeah. Where it's like, I mean, we're and, and, nice, you know. Yes, and that's one of the things I really like to see when it comes to like queer romance on film. Because, like, way too many. I probably said this before in a previous episode, but the idea that like um, a straight couple, you know, you know, drifting apart, and one party or the other becomes homosexual, and then it being treated as if it's like, oh, that wasn't real. That was just a phase I'm going through. Like, no, no, no. Even at that moment, this stuff still affects you. This is still a formative thing, especially like um, Meryl and Ed, you know, knowing each other years after the fact. Like, their relationship is easily, I'd honestly argue, the most heartbreaking, especially with how um, Ed Harris leaves the movie. I'm like, oh, like, how to put it, the number of times I can easily picture someone else seeing me in that state was like fucking hell that really got to me yeah no i that's the thank you 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 kind of um iterated what i was exactly what i was trying to say in a very clumsy way and 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 what came out a little bit also in um the emotive film we watched recently um Fucking Antonio Banderas and his mum is Penelope Cruz and oh, and Pain and Glory. Pain and Glory, same sort of thing. I think human relationships 
gay, straight, bi, whatever, queer, it, sometimes it's not that straightforward. There's this fluidity, like with gender, like it's like, and time, like it's like, there is no set thing there. So I'm just into men or I'm just into women. Like someone could come into your life and touch it in a way and, and, in, you know, in pain and glory where the guy was like, I'm married now, I've got kids and I've got this wife and we're happy and everything. But my relationship with you was real and it was intense. It was beautiful. And I, you know, do you want to have sex again now? <laughs> sort of thing. It's, it's, it's just like, at, 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 <laughs> and stuff like that, like the stuff that actually, you know, treats, you know, bisexuality, pansexuality, however you want to put it, yeah. in that, like, realistic uh, a mood is one of the reasons why I love Pain and Glory, why I love um, yeah. Call Me By Your Name, and among many, many, many other things, why I love this movie. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter what angle I look at it at. Like, yeah. like, technically, it is amazingly well put together, and, like, some of um philip glass's best work as um composer and he's had a really weird career like from Candyman to Watchmen to fan four stick he's had a very strange career in film he's a total freak. um and um like the casting is amazing yeah. the the yeah. interplay with all the characters is amazing the way the interplay between the eras is absolutely yeah. phenomenal and the t and like the note it ends on as far as like you know we'll always have you know always the love always the hours it's like yeah. it's sort of like you know no matter what you know life you pass into whether it's out of a relationship out of you know a friendship or out of life itself that doesn't diminish from the fact that those hours still meant a lot to you when they were happening and, and, and as you recollect them. Exactly. It, it, it's a beautifully poignant note to end a movie on, especially one that like shows so much like incredibly, insanely confronting shit to do with mental illness and um, suicidal ideation. Yeah. And while still, you know, keeping things as, you know, relatively realistic and not as, you know, cut and dry as like, this is right, this is wrong, none of that shit. Yeah. Um, it ends it. on a note that somehow manages to weave all of it together into a single point. Like, yes, you know, some, um, some choose, you know, to end their life rather than continue it, but it doesn't make the life itself mean anything less, which as someone with a history with suicidal depression is really, really fucking comforting. Totally. Totally. Oh, I'm so, I'm just, I was, I'm just thrilled that, that, that we, we did this. That was, that was great. Both, both the, the last four films we've, we've done just been, been awesome. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, well, it's good to know that these four have been really effective because then that means I can throw a bit of a monkey wrench in for oh, the next fuck one. Fuck you. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I knew that was coming. I fucking knew uh, that was coming. What? I what? Said, what are you doing to me? I said maybe. Maybe. You've got something in mind. I know you. You've already got something in mind. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Give it to me. Give it to me straight. Uh, well... Actually, I was going to suggest we watch um, 
uh, angels in America, but I doubt uh, you'd have six hours to kill. Yes, no, 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 I can. I've read the books. I've, I, I, have, I have the most amazing story about this. And yes, let's do it. Let's just do those as one episode. Now that sounds like a plan. Yeah. I'm totally on board with this. Cool. All right. And then we'll do something um, else. Not heavy. No, but, but you can get back to me on that. You don't have to let me know. Yeah, no, no problem. Cool. All right. Sweet. Yeah, good. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> See ya.